What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 118 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, The Tragic Tale of Neely Blanchard episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. This week, we bring you the story of Neely Blanchard, a Florida mother of three who became deeply involved in ECLAWS, which is a fraudulent company offering parents advice to regain custody of their children. The organization was partially run by the late Christopher Hallett, a sovereign citizen with a great admiration for Trump and QAnon something Blanchard shared with him. The two, by all appearances, worked together on a variety of unsavory operations to regain custody of her children. But on November 15th, 2020, Christopher Hallett fell to the ground in his own house, shot multiple times in the back. Holding the gun was Neely Blanchard, who three days prior had posted about looking forward to visiting him. In this episode, we'll be charting her unfortunate path in an attempt to understand the second QAnon-related murder in history. But before all that, QAnon News. The big story this week is that uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani had a uh, press conference in which they pushed election fraud conspiracy theories. So (laughs) there are two characters in the QAnon extended universe who have recently been elevated to national prominence, unfortunately. Yes. The first one is, of course, 8 Kuhn Administrator Ron Watkins. We talked uh, last episode about his interview on One America News pushing those weak sauce Dominion voting systems conspiracy theories. Well, on Wednesday, November 18th, President Donald Trump tweeted a video of that exact Ron Watkins interview. Nice. And and then uh, on Saturday night, Trump actually retweeted a longer One America News segment featuring Ron Watkins in a four tweet thread. So he is really just giving him a giant platform. This administrator, Faye Kuhn, possible author of Q Drops. It seems very weird because the right usually vets people so well. Uh, yeah, I know. These are it, these these are not people. I wonder what's going to happen to Sidney Powell. I bet that's going to end uh, in a long time and also very well. <laughs> the other person who was uh, given a big platform recently was Michael Flynn's red-pilled QAnon-promoting lawyer, Sidney <laughs> Powell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. This past week, uh, she, Rudy Giuliani, and Jenny Ellis, who is the senior legal advisor to the Trump campaign, gave a press conference about their baseless allegations of massive voter and election fraud. Now, Rudy really stole the show by sweating so profusely that hair dye started to drip down the sides of his face. Mm. But Sidney Powell, at this press conference, she did a really bang-up job making wild claims with no substance whatsoever. I, I haven't seen anybody discuss the possibility that it wasn't hair dye, but actually the fibers that you shake into your hair to make it look like hair. Uh, when those uh-huh. when those meet um, oh. water, they, they can run and, and look like sort of like uh, primordial ooze as well so that seems like a bad thing second for theory that. when it it's meets possible. water it's always going to meet water explanations about it, what the fuck was running down Giuliani's face don't you think if you're wearing hair that you just sprinkled onto yourself you're going to be sweating jake that's a very nervous situation well that's <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, when I was looking into it as a possible uh, solution for my own male pattern baldness, Mm -hmm. uh, there were some reviews that said, you know, um, after a couple hours, you know, sweating and it it does start to sort of run a little bit, uh, especially if you get... You know, especially if you're sweating profusely. At that press conference, while Giuliani grimaced and rubbed his moist head with a cloth <laughs> next to her, 
Sidney Powell claimed that the election was rigged as part of a communist plot. She was a lot uh, more cool as a cucumber. It feels like Giuliani really gives away the rest of them because they were decent actors up there. And then there's this fucking weird sweating gnome, and it's uncertain why you would choose him as the face of anything. What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China in the interference with our elections here in the United States. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election after one constitutional referendum came out the way he did not want it to come out. I, I know we talked about this a little bit on stream because we watched some of this, but uh, I, I I do feel bad for uh, Rudy up there. I mean, it's clear that he is just, this is his own, per, it's become his own personal he hell. He and, made this. Mm-hmm. He deserves it. He does. He, <laughs> he, does deserve he deserves it. it almost more than anybody on earth. Now, I think uh, the most important thing to note about her claims about Smartmatic and Dominion software being used to rig uh, elections in Venezuela is that even if it was true, it would not serve as evidence of election fraud in the United States. You can't just say this technology was forged in evil. Therefore, it was used to rig the election. It's, uh, it just it just doesn't follow. Oh, God. But let's play along. So what, on what basis is Sydney making this claim? We have one very strong witness who has explained how it all works. His affidavit is attached to the pleadings of Lynn Wood in the lawsuit he filed in Georgia. Our single witness has been lifting for years and doing an insane <laughs> amount of steroids. You will not believe the size of this single witness. That's what I, that's what I mean. Like, how does she even, you know, as somebody she is, who, she has the gall, dude. She looks like if Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos became a cougar. <laughs> so there she references a suit filed by attorney Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood, by the way is a different QAnon promoting lawyer who has who, who straight up has where we go one, we go all in his Twitter bio. Copy that. So that affidavit she's referencing is actually an anonymous typo-filled declaration from someone <laughs> who claims that he saw election fraud while working a guard detail for the president of Venezuela. So the first line of that statement says, I am an adult of sound mind, M-I-N-E, instead of I am an adult of sound mind. Now, whoever the author is, because we all know, we all know who's making this claim. This this mystery author, they have apparently a, have a flair for the dramatic. Here, here's one paragraph from that affidavit. I want to alert the public and let the world know the truth about corruption, manipulation, and lies being committed by a conspiracy of people and companies intent on betraying the honest people of the United States and their legally constituted institutions and fundamental rights as citizens. This conspiracy began more than a decade ago in Venezuela and has spread to countries all over the world. It is a conspiracy to wrongfully gain and keep power and wealth. It involves political leaders, powerful companies, and other persons whose purpose is to gain and keep power by changing the free will of the people and subverting the proper course of governing. The Georgia lawsuit that included that declaration was tossed out by Trump-appointed judge Stephen Grimberg. So, fortunately, that was not enough to not certify the vote in Georgia. Old Judge Grimberg. Another claim made by Sidney Powell is that 
there is a recording of one of the uh, Smartmatic patent holders talking to members of Antifa and saying that he made sure Trump is going to lose. One of the Smartmatic patent holders, Eric Coomer, I believe his name is, is on the web uh, as being recorded in a conversation with Antifa members uh, saying that the, he had the election rigged for Mr. Biden, nothing to worry about here, and he was going to, they were going to F Trump. His social media is filled with hatred for the president and for the United States of America as a whole, as are the social media accounts of many other Smartmatic people. Yeah, so that uh, Eric Eric Coomer is is a real person, but yeah. apparently he's he's unrelated to the internet meme about chronic masturbators. Oh, Coomer, that's what that meme is about. Yeah. Okay. So where did this claim come from? It actually originates from a Colorado businessman named Joe Altman, who claims that while infiltrating Antifa, he listened in on a conference call that was hosted by Antifa members. And during this call, Altman says that he heard Dominion employees uh, brag about ensuring Trump would lose. The annoying thing about doing Zoom with Antifa is that they never get the premium account. So every 30 minutes you have to reconnect. (laughs) For example, here's Altman making that claim on a live stream hosted by conservative commentator Michelle Malkin. Um, I was out just infiltrating Antifa. (laughs) I mean, I'll just tell you, I just used, uh, you know, I, I run a tech company. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm right of center. Uh, I'm a constitutional and uh, conservative Christian. Um, I wanted to know what we were really dealing with. So I got on this call. And in this call, you hear all this fascist, 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 all this stuff that's kind of going on and going back and forth. It's like a swirling of, of rhetoric. It, it's unbelievable how they speak to each other, by the way. Right. <laughs> It's it's uh, you know, I don't I don't think that they even understand how much they sound like Chicken Little. And <laughs> and so uh, I listened for a while and then somebody named Eric um, came on and started started talking. And so he's talking about what they need to do next. And you need to make sure that you hold on to, you know, fortify and that we need to, con- you know, add constant pressure and, and so on and so forth. And so as he starts to talk, someone says, who's Eric? And then someone answers. Eric is the Dominion guy. So obviously I'm taking notes, right? And I'm a, I'm a copious note taker. So I took these notes and, um, and uh, I had Eric, Dominion, and then we're in Denver, Colorado. Because <laughs> they were talking about Denver, they're talking about Colorado Springs. Um, and so, I, but I, I wasn't really focused on him. And so then Eric responds, uh, you know, keeps, keeps speaking. And then someone interrupts and says, what are we going to do if effing Trump wins? And uh, he responds with, and I'm going to paraphrase this because obviously I didn't write exactly what he wrote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is don't worry about the election. Trump is not going to win. I made effing sure of that. Ha ha ha. Right. And everyone, and then somebody responded effing right. Right. So Altman here, he's trying to be like the Travis view, but for Antifa. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's like, he's, he's infiltrating the uh, Antifa spaces, learning yes. their culture, getting That's on right. their, their conference calls, whatnot, listening to them shout fascists at each other and explaining them the, the, the their world to far right commentators like uh, Michelle Malkin here. And like you, eventually he'll become one. Mm, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> now, one thing I think is worth noting here is that Sidney Powell in that press conference claimed that there is a recording of the Dominion employee, Eric Coomer. 
but Altman doesn't say that there's a recording. By his own words, he's just half remembering what he allegedly heard during this Antifa conference call. Uh Really, this is like classic conspiracy theorist behavior. And like all of uh, Sidney Powell's claims are like this. Her brain is just like sucking up every election conspiracy theory that she reads on the Internet. And then she spits them back out like as best as she can remember them. And sometimes if she can't remember it very well, she adds her own little twist that sounds better. It's better if there was actually a recording. So he just adds that, embellishes upon it. Sidney Powell also took her act to Newsmax, which is another news channel for people who think that Fox News are a bunch of liberal cucks. Apparently, you have OAN, you have Newsmax. These are your Mm -hmm. best options right now. Cracking. She said that she believes that after four years, the Department of Justice is still out of the control of either President Trump or Attorney General Bill Barr. Well, uh, you know, I wish Donald Trump had as much control over the Justice Department as people think he does. Mm. Uh, it's it's taken on a life of its own. I don't think even Bill Barr has the control over the Justice Department that he would like to have. In that same interview, Powell also gave uh, another dog whistle to the QAnon community using the phrase, it's going to be biblical. Jordan Sekulow said that there's going to be a filing soon in Georgia that would be explosive. Can you tell us anything? Can you make some news with us here tonight? Tell us anything new that you're going to present in that filing in Georgia. Well, I'm, I, I can't say that yet, but hopefully this week we will we will get it ready to file. Sydney, what's and it? It will it will be biblical. Biblical. Sadly, we may never see what Sidney Powell had planned because on Sunday, the day we we're recording this, the Trump campaign fired Sidney Powell. Oh, oh. well. Yeah, let her go. Just, so much for that. Just let her go today. And you know, this is, I think, the perhaps the best thing about Trump is that he will absolutely cut off his most loyal lieutenants. No matter how much you've crawled in the mud for him, he mm-hmm. will toss you to the dogs the second you become inconvenient. Yeah, it's almost guaranteed. I mean, yeah. you either end up like that or you end up like Giuliani. Which, yeah, right, I mean, which true. one is better? I, I don't even know. It's They're both awful. Now, it's unclear what the final straw was. But it may have been the fact that she accused the Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, of being part of the conspiracy to commit voter fraud for Joe Biden, which she is baselessly alleging. Let me ask you about the state of Georgia. Obviously, yesterday, you know, the governor there, he um, certified the election for Joe Biden. It's about 12,000 votes. And what you see, will Georgia switch? Yeah, that's a total farce. Georgia is probably going to be the first state I'm going to blow up and and Mr. Kemp and the Secretary of State need to go with it because they're in on the Dominion scam with their last-minute purchase or award of a contract to Dominion of $100 million. The State Bureau of Investigation for Georgia ought to be looking into the financial benefits received by Mr. Kemp and and, uh, the Secretary of State's family about that time. And another benefit Dominion was created to award is what I would call election insurance. That's why Hugo Chavez had it created in the first place. But I also wonder where he got the technology, where it actually came from, because I think it's hammer and scorecard from the CIA. Just to clarify, you're saying that Governor Kemp, who's been a longtime ally of the president, is is directly involved because of financial benefit in the conspiracy to defeat the president in Georgia? 
we have certainly been told that there is evidence of that. I think her, her big mistake was that she was like she was in it for the conspiracy theories. She is yes. a true believer. Hundred percent pilled to the gills. One hundred percent she was too pilled. Whereas Trump team think knows that conspiracy theories are just a weapon to attack right. and frustrate your mm-hmm. enemies. Too far. And whereas whereas Sidney Powell be like, Oh, I will turn the conspiracy theory cannon towards, you know, the Republican yeah. governor. I don't give a shit. She's just she's willing to think that anyone might be in the conspiracy. Even Bill Barr, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, one of your fellow drug dealers starts, you know, getting addicted to the product and, you you know, you, you know, you slowly over time have to sort of, you know, force them out because they, they just become a liability. The tragic tale of Neely Blanchard. I want to talk about Neely Blanchard, a 34 year old QAnon follower and sovereign citizen who was recently arrested for the killing of fellow sovereign citizen Christopher Hallett. Blanchard, who has been struggling with legal and custody issues for several years, was getting worthless legal advice from Hallett. Hallett owned a Florida-based company called E-Clause, which dispenses this, again, absolutely worthless legal advice to parents who are desperate to regain legal custody of their children. All in all, Christopher Hallett was a real piece of shit, which arguably could also be said of the other victim of a killing by a QAnon follower, the uh, reputed mob boss Frank Calley. The QAnon Anonymous podcast obviously does not condone gunning people down in their own homes, but the the two QAnon killers pick some really good victims, I gotta say. Strange. The legal filings of Hallett are unsurprisingly deranged and nonsensical. They're filled with strange phrasing and sometimes quotes from philosophers. For example, here is a section from one Hallett filing in 2017. There is a reason that legal is only a department in my world of business. I do understand the fact it is all this monopoly does, but when it became self-aware, it was time to pull the plug as mandated by the Declaration of Independence. The current thinking in that the only people qualified are monopoly members is ludicrous, even borderline insane. In a limited government, the government does not have the authority to tell me what my rights are per their interpretations. I tell the government what my rights are per my interpretations. The court's job is to oversee due process as I address my jury to maintain that I remain respectful and professional at all times, no more, no less. He's putting quotation marks around every concept and capitalizing the beginning of every word inside of those. I am very confused what's happening right now. I am very confused, too. I mean, I tried to dive into his materials thinking like, oh, I'm just going to unpack this E-clause stuff and try to understand it is a mess. Like the only thing I know for sure, E-clause refers to the emoluments clause of the Constitution. They think that this has some special significance, but is really, really uh, intricate and weird. Unsurprisingly, Chris Hallett's tactics have failed universally. In one case, a baffled federal judge called Hallett's filings rambling and patently frivolous and claimed that Hallett believed Trump wanted him to create, quote, a private legal system alternative. Wait, so he, so th- this man Hallett believed that Trump had mandated him to do this? Yes. He's like a yes, that he angel sent out. That he is he is commissioned by Trump to create this alternate legal reality. And he's trying to, in this case, apply it to his own child's custody case. That's right. Seems like a good place to start, I guess. Mm -hmm. The opinion in that case says this. The court declines to entertain plaintiff's fantasy that he is acting at the behest of the president. Mm. This could be 
generations of these people. Yes, they were. They think people, they're in a secret pact with Trump. They do. They think that finally, I'm. He knows me and he understands me. I'm working for him. Despite the failure of Hallett and E. Clause, he managed to draw in quite a following. One of his most fervent adherents was Neely Blanchard. Blanchard, who desperately wanted to regain custody of her daughters, even got a custom license plate that says E. Clause. Yes. Is she the same woman that dressed both her children in E. Clause shirts? Yes. Yeah. That's. Oh, okay. So she was the f- most, she was the biggest fangirl of. This guy and his theories. Yeah. And there was a second guy, right? Uh, The The Kirk Pendergrass. Right. Okay. So there's another grifter who's still alive. Yes, he's still alive. I'm not saying anything, but he's still alive. (laughs) And Blanchard was a fan, despite the fact that Hallett's legal advice, again, was 100% useless. For example, when Hallett attempted to get Blanchard's records expunged, he drafted a bizarre letter for her that referenced Sharia law. Here he is reading that letter. This motion to expunge comes before the body in due course of doing business as the subject of this matter is certainly frivolous in nature due to Sharia law is not recognized in this republic. It is a uh, it is recognized as fraud. Those emoluments do not exist here. Period. He's doing his own poetry scat poetry he is there's like i feel like this is why his theories are at least so impenetrable to me they are particular to his own psyche how it seemed to have a fixation on islam he also referenced it when talking to neely blanchard in a zoom call about a gag order placed on her this call took place in june about five months before she killed him now knowing and understanding that she her first amendment right was just violated because they attempted to gag her uh, yeah no, that would violate your free speech. Right. Again, right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, as your, as far as your corporate counsel is concerned, I'm telling you that that violated your First Amendment right. So, right. And I'm providing notice of process as to that violation and where and why it's above their pay grade. Right. I've already, I've already handled this case. Right. Well, they know they're depriving my liberty interests. They just... You know. Well, and again, it's Islam. Welcome to Islamic Nation. Right. Chris Hallett is sitting in front of 14 framed diplomas. Yes. 14. They are jammed up against each other so they can all fit around him. (laughs) This is incredible. This is art. He has books he's never read. They might not even be books. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Not, not by the way, a licensed legal professional in any capacity ever. Well, he's corporate. Yeah, Where right. do you think those diplomas <laughs> come from then? Does he, does he just like print out templates online? Possibly. I have yeah. no idea. To try and piece together how everything went so terribly, I combed through public records and Blanchard's social media history. Neely Blanchard has a respectably thick record of petty crimes. In 2009, when she was in her early 20s, She was charged for possession of a controlled substance in Georgia, which is a felony in that state. In 2010, she was charged with possession of a controlled substance again, but also obstruction of an officer and simple battery. In 2011, she was charged with hindering an emergency telephone call, disorderly conduct, assault, and battery. In the states of South Carolina and Florida, she was also busted for crimes like battery, larceny, and possession. In 2010, Blanchard lost legal guardianship of her daughter, Mackenzie. The legal guardian of her child was the paternal grandmother, while Blanchard shared physical custody with the father of the child. 
In 2012, the paternal grandmother sued in family court for custody of Blanchard's daughter. While that case was ongoing, in 2013, Neely made a very bad choice and a string of bad choices. She kidnapped her four-year-old daughter from school. According to police, on May 2, 2013, Blanchard and a Florida woman pulled her daughter out of her Head Start class in Goose Creek, South Carolina, before school was in session. A school employee who tried to stop their car was injured in the process. About half an hour after they left the school, highway patrol troopers caught up to the duo as they were heading west on Interstate 26. Investigators claim that Blanchard was also found in illegal possession of prescription pills, which I thought, I don't know, this is again another pattern we see is like there might be a, you know, a cor- some kind of correlation between, you know, being very conspiratorial and opioid addiction. Yeah, there has certainly been a lot of anecdotal evidence, and it, it does seem to be piling up. This, of course, only added to Blanchard's rap sheet. She was charged with trespassing, disturbing school, custodial interference, conspiracy to commit custodial interference, and unlawful possession of Schedule Four narcotics. Blanchard described that incident this way in a Facebook video she recently posted on November 2nd. She's driving while recording the video, which is why there's so much background noise. I was arrested in 2013 for transporting a child under the age of 18, pending a custody order and not returning within 72 hours. Well, it was a bogus charge. First of all, this is not just any child. This is my daughter, a daughter that I carried for nine months in my womb that I have every right to, and every God-given right to protect and defend my daughter. You know, I thought that was interesting because even years after the incident and after that particular incident caused her a lot of pain and grief and frustration, she's not self-reflective about whether or not she should have done it. You know, she was, she still feels justified. No, of course not. Since then, she's even met somebody called Q. They started a great relationship, and it it got her even further down this rabbit hole. According to a local report in the Post and Courier newspaper, after being jailed on those charges, Blanchard was freed on $75,000 bail. By November 18th, a judge revoked her bond for violating the conditions of her release. According to authorities, she gave a friend 20 Xanax pills to call 911 and falsely report that her daughter was being abused at her paternal grandmother's home. Blanchard even provided that person with a handwritten script to read to the police. That script includes dramatic flourishes like this. I really debated on calling because my mother has lived in this neighborhood for over 20 years. I didn't want to cause my mother any problems or put my mother in harm's way because these people could be dangerous. But I decided after seeing this happen more than once, I couldn't let this go on anymore. So she's creating this fictional backstory and sort of hesitation for her false report of child abuse. She, she wrote, I don't know if, the, if these people are dangerous and then crossed it out and wrote instead, these people could be dangerous. She's trying to like find just the, just the right words for her false report. Blanchard had frequently claimed her daughter was abused, but those claims were never substantiated. A solicitor for the Ninth Circuit Court in South Carolina said that two prosecutors found no evidence of abuse after extensively combing through multiple reports, interviews, and exams. Blanchard wasn't in jail for long. 
Apparently, a paperwork mix-up led to her being mistakenly released from Berkeley County Jail. That was the official story. Uh, I I spoke with Larry Hensley, who is the attorney representing the plaintiff in Blanchard's 2012 case. And she told me, in reference to the incident of her being uh, prematurely released, quote, There may or may not have been some sexual favors involved with that. That's the story anyway. A lawyer told you that. A lawyer, yes. A lawyer told me that. Mm Mm-hmm. The final order from family court from her case is scathing and frankly sounds exasperated at Neely's behavior. Here are a few lines from that 2014 order. Throughout the course of the trial, defendants Blanchard made several motions to dismiss the case on various grounds, including forged documents and corruption of the court. All of these motions were denied as baseless and unfounded. The defendants were unable to present any credible testimony as to why plaintiff's request for custody based on a charge in circumstances should not be granted. There was no apparent need for such time-consuming, intense litigation other than the complete unwillingness of defendants Susan and Neely Blanchard to abide by the order of the court and to accept responsibility for their own actions. This court further finds that the defendants Blanchard grossly contributed to the expenses of the litigation incurred by the plaintiff. They chose to represent themselves at trial and refused to obey the court's most basic instructions with regard to conduct during the trial, including but not limited to punctuality at the attendance of the trial, their behavior during the course of the trial, and their repeated failure to follow rules of evidence and the ruling of the instructions of the court. The court placed very severe restrictions on Blanchard. She could not visit or communicate with her daughter, the father of her child, or her child's father's mother, who retained legal custody. Neely didn't take it very well. Attorney Larry Hensley had to get a restraining order against Neely. Hensley also told me that Blanchard started blaming then-President Obama for her legal troubles. To make things even more complicated, in 2012 or 2013, before that case even completed, Blanchard gave birth to her twin daughters, Adriana and Isabella. Neely Blanchard's continuing legal problems, including being found in contempt of court for failing to appear in 2015, didn't prevent her from getting involved in national politics. Starting in 2016, she was firmly on the Trump train. This is despite the fact that, as a convicted felon, she was unable to vote. That year, she tweeted out a video of one of her daughters wearing a red Make America Great hat and repeating words of praise for then-candidate Trump. Go Donald Trump! Go Donald Trump! Say, he is God's anointed! Donald anointed! <laughs> Say, God is protecting him! God is protecting him! And the United States. And the the Constitution. And And our founding fathers. And the founding fathers. When you go through uh, Neely Blanchard's social media history, it, it becomes clear that she loves three things very much. God, her daughters, and President Trump, who she considers to be God's anointed. Unsurprisingly, Blanchard was also into Pizzagate. In the days leading up to the 2016 election, uh, she retweeted content about spirit cooking and the Podesta emails. And sometime after the election, it's unclear when, Blanchard got involved with Chris Hallett and E-Claws. Neely was also an early devotee of QAnon. Retweeting QAnon posts in December of 2017, 
just a month after the first Q drops. That's before me and Jake, at least. I don't know if you did, you were there a, a bit after or? I wasn't really that into QAnon until like about July of 2018. There we go. She beat us all to it. Mm-hmm. It seems that one of the people who guided her to QAnon was Liz Crokin. Blanchard tweeted this. At Liz Crokin. Follow her. It's time that the truth is revealed about Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, MSM. Help save our children. Follow Atlas Crokin and open up your eyes. Save our kids. I love you, at real Donald Trump. This kind of behavior falls in line with what attorney Larry Hensley observed in 2014. She told me, quote, There is no conspiracy theory that I saw that Neely wasn't endorsing. On November 3rd, 2018, Blanchard took her twin daughters to a Trump rally in Pensacola, Florida. She even made custom shirts for them. On the front, she printed the phrase, E. Claus and the Trump Girls. And on the back, the shirts say, Our First Trump Rally. Hello, guys. We're at the Trump Rally. Say hello. Our first Trump Rally. Woo! Yep. Those girls were in the custody of Blanchard's mother. In early 2020, in a repeat of the incident with her younger daughter, Blanchard kidnapped her seven-year-old twins. According to the Logan County Sheriff's Department, on Friday, March 20th, at around 1 p.m., Blanchard left her mother's house with her seven-year-old twin daughters. Blanchard's mother, Susan Blanchard, has sole custody of the children. Up to this point, Blanchard had still been allowed some supervised visitation. Blanchard was at Susan's house when she left to run a quick errand. When she returned, Blanchard and the children were gone. Blanchard later told Susan she was going to Dawson Springs to visit friends and go on a camping trip. On the following Wednesday, an Amber Alert was issued for Blanchard's children. After the Amber Alert was issued, Blanchard continued to post on Facebook. In one post, she included an image of a document that she called her revoked consent. She wrote this. My revoked consent. I am okay and so are my daughters. This mommy bear is done playing. You will not hurt my daughters anymore. Only for the diligent. This is what the Amber Alert is really about. So the revoked consent, to the best of my understanding, is like a sovereign citizen get out of the law free card. Like they think that by presenting this document or like giving it to judges or police or anyone who's trying to get up in their business, uh, they can sort of like just tell them that the law is no longer binding. Here's what her revoked consent form said in part. All deemed authorities are now notified and therefore have no legal jurisdiction against me. I am now not, quote, deemed dead, lost at sea, end quote, and I am no longer to be contacted or addressed in the legally entrapping trading name in capitals, nor be identified in the law revoking status of Mrs. I shall continue to investigate and expose all individuals involved as part of the ongoing public investigation slash exposure. This deception is a national and international historic secret kept by benefiting Freemasonic secret societies via corporations, central banking war debt profiteering, and for all scams, bond equity frauds, and their conduits, these and the covert control only remain via the upheld and maintained public naivete and dehabilitation until now. Well, I couldn't make too much sense of that. No. I feel poisoned by this content. (laughs) I mean, they think this revoked consent form is like magic, despite the fact it just never works. 
Blanchard's was located shortly after the Amber Alert went out. According to Logan County Sheriff Stephen Stratton, the police received assistance from the Secret Service in tracking Blanchard. Sheriff Stratton said this. When the Amber Alert went out, we started getting tons of good information. We had a good idea of where they were, and then the Secret Service got involved and used their resources to track her through her phone and social media. I thought this was sort of a strange little detail. Why exactly is the Secret Service involved in this, uh, you know, like an Amber Alert? I don't know. Is that like an FBI thing? I thought the Secret Service was like protecting elected officials and also like financial crimes. I think that uh, she's, it's clear that she's like a crazy Trump. She's a crazy Trump person. I think that they, they're definitely uh, on the lookout for, you know, like uh, fanatic sort of Trump supporters who might be oh, trying to get too close to the president. And she has a, a lot point. of content uh, talking about the president. If you have a long history of battery and you're constantly like yeah, you're obsessed with Trump, Trump yeah. you're probably on the Secret Service's battery, radar. Battery, kidnapping, yeah, yeah. multiple crimes. Blanchard was arrested on charges of two counts of kidnapping and two counts of custodial interference and then taken to Hopkins County Jail. Immediately after Blanchard's arrest, an associate of hers named Kathy Watson took to Facebook Live in order to talk about Neely's predicament. According to Watson, Neely Blanchard presented the arresting officers with the revoked consent form, but it did not sway them. Neely is in Hopkins County jail system in Madisonville, Kentucky. And uh, Kurt, they arrested her. There was an Amber Alert, and they arrested her. And they said they had a warrant. They would show the warrant. Uh, they didn't want to do it in front of the kids, they said. Uh, uh, we, we give them the no, non-consent uh, paper. We showed it to them. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, revoke consent. Didn't matter. Couldn't believe that the form didn't work. It's really strange. It's like the form never works, but they don't notice that it doesn't work, it seems like. I put on the ring, but you can still see me? <laughs> Watson told her audience that they shouldn't be discouraged, and now's the time to stand together. After all, where we go one, we go all. Where we go one, we go all. You know, I love each and every one of you. We need prayers, we need action, we need to learn what's going on and wake up. Because if we don't, it's not going to be good. We're going to have this new world order and we don't need it. We're patriots, we know what our country was founded on, and we need to stand on it. This episode has taken more vital energy out of me than almost any so far. To watch the, the, just these people and imagine the web, the endless amount of people just like them yeah. that are not quite like this, but they're almost like this, spread out coast to coast. The amount, the sheer amount of pilled Americans, profoundly disheartening, even for someone who does this full time with you. On March 30th of this year, Blanchard received a court-ordered psychological evaluation while she was in jail. Here's what that evaluation says in part. Neely appears to have some potential persecutory beliefs slash delusions, as she reports that the legal system is against her and violating her rights. Previous assessment also reports delusions related to legal charges. She states she revokes her consent to have her name in all capitals. 
current delusions are not interfering with her social functioning at the jail at this time. She reports that she has good support at this time, that, quote, the Bible, my spirituality, my faith are important to her, and she is hopeful, quote, knowing the truth will come out. After Blanchard was released, she was evidently still very much into QAnon. In July of 2020, Blanchard took the digital soldier oath, you know, at the behest of Q. I, Neely Petrie Blanchard, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. Where we go one, we go all. God bless America. About eight and a half months after her most recent arrest for kidnapping, Neely Blanchard was arrested for killing Christopher Hallett. Her Facebook page indicates that she was on good terms with Hallett as recently as November 12th, just three days before the killing. In one post, she says, quote, Head there now, Chris Hallett. My drive be like emoji with a big grinning face. In that Facebook post, she also links to a fan-made YouTube music video that pays tribute to the Transformers movies by Michael Bay and features the single For the Glory by the rock band All Good Things. So far, everything we know about the killing itself comes from a probable cause affidavit provided by the Marion County Sheriff's Office. That affidavit includes testimony from two witnesses to the killing, who are an unidentified woman and her daughter. Here's what the young witness saw, according to the affidavit. Your affiant also spoke with Juvenile Redacted, who advised that she was in her room when she heard a loud noise. The witness advised that she came out into the common area and observed the victim holding his shoulder with a pained look in his eyes. The witness advised that she saw a bullet on the ground and saw the defendant pointing a gun at the victim. Uh, the witness advised that the victim stated, Oh shit, oh god, please no. The witness advised that the defendant then swiveled her body towards her and her mother, and her mother grabbed her and pulled her out of the room. The witness also advised that she heard the defendant state something to the effect of, You're hurting my children, you bastard, and heard additional shots after leaving the room. It was speculated that the victim was shot by the defendant due to her belief that the victim might have been working against her or working to assist the government in keeping her children away from her. The affidavit also says this based on interviews with the witnesses. It was speculated that the victim was shot by the defendant due to her belief that the victim might have been working against her or working to assist the government in keeping her children away from her. Shortly afterwards, Blanchard was arrested in Georgia. 
As she was being arrested, she evidently stayed true to her sovereign citizen beliefs. She immediately began questioning whether the officer had authority to detain her. Blanchard had her first hearing recently and was reportedly placed on suicide watch and separated from the other inmates in Marion County Jail. At the hearing, she said that she intends to hire a lawyer, but has been assigned a public defender in the meantime. So that is where we're at right now. We have one sovereign citizen who is preying on desperate parents dead. We have a mother with a history of mental illness who is in a lot of legal hot water. And most significantly, we have three children who already had a tough go of it, who, you know, are going to have to summon a lot of strength for their lives. Um, yeah, so all of it, uh, all of it re really, really sucks. And it's not like, um, you know, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's really a lesson here other than this is part of the human carnage that gets swept up by these conspiratorial movements. You know, we don't actually totally know what exactly motivated the killing. Was it that she realized that she was duped and then was going to, you know, uh, kill the person who duped her? Or was she having some sort of manic episode and then she thought that Chris Hallett was part of the government trying to take her children? What we're going to get here, which we were denied with the case of Anthony Camello, is a trial. How, how was it writing this episode and looking into this stuff? I see flashes of this kind of thing all the time. This is perhaps the most complete story of self-destructive behavior and uh, downward spiral uh, sort of fueled in part by QAnon and other factors, obviously. But I know that this kind of thing attracts people who are not in a good place. And I know that this kind of thing encourages people to stay in that bad place and get themselves in the worst place. It's a horror. So no, this didn't affect me. This is pretty standard practice shit. I mean, this involves a death, which is more significant in that sense. But in terms of making bad choices, ruining relationships, getting in trouble with the law, making bad decisions over and over and over again, and not understanding that it's your skewed, warped worldview that's contributing to uh, your frustration, that kind of behavior, that's, that's something that's Part of, part of being part of the QAnon community very frequently. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month. You'll get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes, over a hundred now. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent, which we highly value. We usually stream twice a week at twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. For everything else, we have QAnonAnonymous.com, where you'll find merch, a link to our Discord, access to the lost episodes, etc. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. Hi, Rush, it's great to be here. Um, I'm going to try to hold myself together and not get emotional here, but um, I want to harken back to your statement about Georgia yeah. and about the Trump voters. Yeah. And they should be very afraid, very afraid. Trump and you are all we have left, Rush. We've spent our lives voting for these people because they're not them. And we just can't do it anymore. We're tired of being stabbed in the back, Rush. It's better to have an enemy that's in front of you than a friend that's behind you that's just going to stab you. They do it every time. We have a Republican-controlled state, and they won't do an audit of the vote. They won't. 
they just basically told every Georgian that they don't care. We were in Washington on Saturday. Me and my 33-year-old son, we saw more people than we've ever seen in our lifetime, ever. And we're season ticket holders for the Ravens, for God's sakes. I've been in crowds of 80,000 people. I've been to Steelers games, for goodness sakes. I have never seen so many people, but were there any Republicans there? No. None. None. But wait, 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 wait. What? what? There were no Republicans. What, what was this thing that you went to? A week ago Saturday in Washington, D.C., yeah, but- mega rally. There must have been hundreds of thousands. Okay, it's a MAGA rally, and there were... You mean no elected Republicans? Is that what you mean? Yes, I do. Okay. Our party leadership, quote-unquote, if this were a Democrat rally, they would all be there. They were there for the anti-Tea Party movement walking hand-in-hand up the steps. No one stands for us, Rush. Only Only you you and Donald Donald Trump. Trump. God forbid... What do we have left? I love my president. I'm not, I am not a revolutionary brush, but I will die for my president. This man has given more to this country than anybody, and he has no need to. None. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need this. That's exactly right. It's disheartening. 